Well, we are thankful to have today with us Jeff Totten and his wife, Carla. Many of you who uh, would know Jeff at all may only be familiar with him because of the home plate uh, event that he runs every spring uh, for the Detroit Tigers. Uh, and that is a very important uh, outreach, but it's only a portion of, of what he does. And one of the things that I'm most thankful for with Jeff is that he's a man who's going to preach and teach the Word of God. And that's why it's a privilege to have him come and be part of our local evangelism month this month. So Jeff, come and share with us, please. Uh, Chad, thanks so much for the uh, invite, the uh, introduction, and all the details uh, for us to be here today. Really enjoy and am blessed uh, anytime I get the chance to come here to First Baptist in St. John's. Tim, really appreciate you and your family and uh, your church, and you guys partner with us in ministry. So I'm going to share a little bit this morning about what I do. We'll look in the Word of, Word of God, and then tonight uh, we'll share more about our ministry and probably have some time for some questions uh, too. Big part of what I do is I'm the chaplain for the Detroit Tigers. Every baseball team, every sport team really now has someone who does chapels for the team. Chapels like a Sunday morning church service, uh, briefer usually. And uh, held right at the ballpark. So every Sunday during the baseball season, I get to go down to Comerica Park. How many have ever been to Comerica? Okay. So I go down there every Sunday. We'll do four chapels. Do a chapel about 9.30 in the morning for stadium workers. So vendors, security people that have to work that day, can't get to church, we'll do a chapel for them. Uh, do one for the visiting team. So like if the Yankees are in town, do a chapel for the Yankee coaches, players, and so forth. Any Yankee fans here? There'll be an altar call later. You come get right, and it'll be good. And uh, so we do one for the Yankees, uh, whoever's in town. And then we do one for the Tigers. And it's current players, it's coaches, it's some retired players who are around the team, and uh, some of the guys that work around the clubhouse do chapel for them. And then the last chapel we do every Sunday is for the umpires. There's four umps at a big league game. Of course, all it's voluntary. So if they want it, we do it. If they don't, we don't. And uh, the umpires, we do a chapel for them down in their locker room, four umps there. And that's really a cool chapel. We get to use the Braille Bibles. And that's really neat. That's <laughs> uh, not true. I love the umps. And I'm going to share some things about them uh, this morning and then again tonight. Uh, and so that's what we do every Sunday. Uh, chapel at Comerica's, uh, if you ever watch a game there, right behind home, there's two glass doors. Go in those glass doors. The umpire's locker room is right there on field level, so that's where we do theirs. You go up a set of steps. You're underneath the stands between both clubhouses, uh, right behind home plate, and there's a conference, uh, media interview room there. It's carpeted, uh, maybe about the size of the platform. A chair's in there, and that's where we do the chapels for the guys. How many ever went to Old Tiger Stadium? Okay, great old ballpark, wasn't it? And, but the stuff underneath was really small and cramped and tight. And so there we had to improvise for chapel. So for the Tigers, we do their chapel in their weight room. The guys would come in, sit on various machines. I'd stand in a corner, and like we'll do here today, open up the Bible and uh, share it right from uh, God's Word there. If a guy was in there working out that morning, he got chapel for free. And that would happen a lot. A guy would do his thing while we did our thing. And then at the old stadium for chapel, for the visitors, uh, we met in the community shower. We wouldn't let people shower while we were doing our thing there. But, uh, so I'd stand in the corner. Guys would bring towels or stools to sit on, or they'd stand. Right outside the shower were three urinals, three toilets, three sinks. Uh, so this is really a dress-up crowd for me today. I understand that. But uh, three sinks, a washer, a dryer, and a whirlpool. And I tell the guys, listen, if you put your faith in Christ, I'll baptize you any way you want to get baptized. 
I would have only used the whirlpool, though. And, um, but, uh, so that's kind of a, a quick glimpse of what Baseball Chapel is. That's the Sunday morning thing. My background's pastoring, so anything I've ever done pastoring, we've done in the context of chapel. Uh, weddings, funerals, baptisms, all of it. And I'll show, show some photos and share some things uh, tonight about that. One of our players getting married this December, my wife Carol and I will go down to Orlando, uh, where they're getting married and be able to do the wedding down there and have done the premarital counseling and things like that with them. Uh, the wives have a wonderful ministry. Carla and another lady do a luncheon, a dinner, uh, really, and a Bible study. Every Tuesday night, the team is at home right at the ballpark for wives, girlfriends, uh, and uh, they meet and get in the Word of God together as well. And we'll share more uh, later tonight about that. But I want to thank you, uh, your church, for your partnership in what we do. Uh, we view our ministry really as an extension of the church. I'm big on the local church, and I'm big on believing that, uh, like you're emphasizing this week, we need to reach out everywhere we can in our communities, and sports is one aspect of our community, isn't it? And so part of what we do is get into the world of sports through baseball. Every major league chapel leader oversees all the chapels for the minor league teams in the organization. So for Detroit, that's Erie, Pennsylvania, nor Toledo, Ohio, Erie, Pennsylvania, uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, Norwich, Connecticut, uh, Lakeland, Florida, and then actually an academy over in the Dominican Republic as well. So really under uh, the big league team, there's about another 250 players, coaches, uh, personnel, and others that we have a uh, part with there. I um, brought some things to give away. There's a table in the foyer, and if you'd like... Uh, these are items we give out at the home plate that Chad mentioned. Every year we print up uh, different items that can be used as tools for evangelism. And uh, so we print up our own baseball cards. And on the back we put no baseball stats. But we put a guy's story of faith in Christ. So in the little packet there's six cards. Guys like Matt Boyd, Brandon Dixon, Christian Stewart, Nico Goodrum, uh, Gordon Beckham, and Daniel Norris. And there's a little track that uh, wraps around it too. Take as many as these as you can use. If you know the baseball coach in town, if you got guys you play baseball with, your kids play baseball, take them. Uh, give them a baseball card, a pack, and then give them a gospel track with it as well. And so they're there on the table. There's a little card there from a couple years ago, uh, different players on the team then, and uh, things about them like their favorite, favorite Bible verse. And then there's a little newsletter there as well. So whatever's back there, please feel free to go back, uh, look at it, and uh, take what you'd like to take. Uh, right there. I brought a picture from this year's home plate. So, uh, Ryan, let's put that one up. I think it's all the guys. So, this is really pretty cool. We had seven of our players share their faith before a crowd of about 5,000 people. But what was really cool for me is not just those seven guys sharing. Another six guys came out to support them. And for the first time ever, if you look on the far left there, anyone recognize that gentleman? Mr. Tiger Al Kaline. Al came out to be with us. And so uh, we really had a great uh, group of uh, guys that met together. I'll just kind of go from the right. Spencer Turnbull, Gordon Beckham, myself, uh, Daniel Norris, uh, Brandon Dixon, Ramon Santiago there in the front, one of our coaches, former players. Uh, Ramon, I had the privilege to baptize back in 07. Uh, behind him, Jordy Mercer, John Hicks, Frank Tanana, former Tiger, uh, Nick Ramirez, Buck Farmer, uh, Brett, Matt Boyd, Christian Stewart, Grayson Griner, and the two big guys, you see them? My ministry has gotten so wide and international, I need bodyguards now. And so those, now, 
One is a former Detroit Lion, Tony Semple, and then a buddy of his who was um, uh, special forces with the Army. Uh, they came out, Nico Goodrum and then uh, Al Kaline. And so there were other guys, too, that made up our chapels, our Bible studies, and, and the things we do there. And then one other photo I'll just show you today. Uh, this morning we'll show many more tonight. But here's one of the umpires. This was taken at the All-Star game a year ago. And it's right before the first pitch. You know what they're doing? They're praying. How about that? I think it broadcasts on uh, national TV. But I got a photo of it. And uh, the guy who headed up that crew is a guy named Ted Barrett. Ted is a wonderful brother in Christ. Uh, Ted is actually an ordained minister. Ted is a former amateur boxer, Tim. He used to spar with Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. So if Ted tells you you're out, just go sit down. Don't mess with Ted. But Ted is a brother in Christ, makes his off-season home in Phoenix. And uh, Ted began a ministry with other umpires entitled Calling for Christ. And that's their ministry to umpires. The big league umps will hold an annual retreat every December for other big league umps and all the minor league umps who want to come. Just like we would think of a church men's retreat. And they meet at a ranch in Texas. Uh, the gospels preach. They worship Christ. And the idea is, hey, let's reach fellow umps. They take a missions trip every year to Cuba. Take old umpire gear to the umpires in Cuba. Do umpire clinics. But they're there also to share the gospel. And so it's really pretty cool is these guys get discipled as they grow uh, what they go do. The umps have a wristband they wear, some of them. Uh, and it names that ministry Calling for Christ. You can look up their website. On the other side of the wristband it says, Jesus loves umpires. And they wish the band was bigger because then they would add on, Jesus loves umpires because nobody else does. And uh, so anyway, that's a little overview, folks, uh, of our ministry there. Hey, I brought a baseball to give away. I'll give away one this morning. I'll give away another one tonight. And so the one I want to give away this morning, uh, who is wearing today a piece of uh, clothing, a shoe, whatever, that has the Nike swish? Stand up. Whoever has one on. Okay? Now, it's got to be something in the exterior. I don't want anyone unbuckling a belt or nothing like that. But, uh, okay, so I'm going to give it to the youngest person. So some of you just sit right back down, okay? But I see a gentleman, a young man here and a young man. How old are you? Over here. How old are you? Eleven. How old are you? Come on up, eight. <clears throat> What's your name? Mason. Mason, are you a Tiger fan? No. <laughs> All right, Mason. That's okay. Are you a baseball fan? No. Uh, okay. So, uh, where's your, uh, where's your uh, Nike gear? You got the swish? Okay, there you see the swish. Everyone see it? So, I'm going to give you a baseball. This is signed by a Tiger shortstop named Jordy Mercer. Okay? So, that's for you. Don't trip on your laces going back down, or I'll really feel bad. But, Mason, thanks, buddy. <laughs> and uh, the reason I love that Nike swish... Okay, and they've been in the news lately. They've been in the news about tons of stuff over the years. And uh, I'm not talking about whether you like them as a corporation so much, but I love the swish and I love the name because it's a Bible name. Did you know that? The word Nike is a Bible word. The New Testament was written in the Greek language. Nike is a Greek word. 
In fact, the word Nike is for the Greek goddess of victory named Nikea. That's who it is. And I brought a little uh, rendering of uh, what some people think that goddess looked like, okay? And you see the wings that she has? That's the Nike what? Swish. And uh, the Greek goddess of victory, the Greeks felt this way about victory. And the reason they gave the goddess of victory wings was they felt like victory was always fleeting. It was like a bird. You never know where it would land or how long it would stay and when it would leave. That was their attitude about victory in battle, in athletic competition, and really life in general. And so to embrace that is kind of like a lot of uncertainty, isn't it? I wonder how today will turn out. Well, let's see if she lands on us or not. And that would be a tough way to go through life. But you know what, folks? Many people in our world today go through life exactly that way. Mark it up or down. Uh, did our team win or lose? Did I get the promotion or not? Uh, did the bill get paid or are we uh, overdue? And many of us struggle in life and in a world around us with victory that is fleeting. And, uh, you know, the Bible doesn't talk that way about victory. In fact, John, when he writes the letter uh, 1 John, uses that word uh, throughout 1 John, throughout the book of Revelation, and other places as well. Often we'll see it translated as victory, or a word that I like is the word overcome or overcomer. It's the word Nike. So when I see someone wearing the swish, it's a great way to start a conversation. Hey, you know, you're wearing a Bible word there on your shoe or your hat or your golf ball. And so here's the passage uh, where that word Nike is used, uh, one of them. And I want to read it to you. It's in 1 John 5. There is a little uh, note sheet in your uh, handout there, your bulletin, if you'd like to read the passage right there as I read it with me. And so here's what it says in 1 John 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, that we love God and obey his commands. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes, and there's our word, Nike, the world. And this is the victory, again, the word Nike, that overcomes, Nike, the world, our faith. Who is he that overcomes, Nike, the world, except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And so what I want to talk today uh, about from God's Word, uh, it teaches us here that as a Christian, contrary to what the Greeks thought, contrary to what often happens in our world today, According to God's word, victory does not have to be fleeting. Victory can be lasting, stable, constant, and true in our lives through Jesus Christ. And so here are a few points that I learned. First is that victory is found only in Christ. You're not going to find it anywhere else. Lasting, eternal, fulfilling victory. Uh, we hear talk to sometimes, and I'm not making any political statements, winning and so forth. And, you know, temporal winning is one thing. But when we win and have victory on an eternal level, 
That is lasting. That is meaningful. That is powerful. That changes lives and changes destinies. And what God's word is telling us, as we sung about earlier, Jesus, through the cross, when he cried out, it is finished, he accomplished through his death, his burial, his resurrection, he accomplished the victory, and it's found only in him. Nowhere else. You say, oh, that's pretty dogmatic, Jeff. Well, it is. The God's word is. I can't uh, say it's not. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man gets to the Father except what? Through me. Acts 4.12, there's one name given among men whereby you may be saved, and it's the name of who? Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapters 9 and 10, once and for all, it's been paid. And so when you talk about ultimate winning, ultimate victory, that you do not have to wonder if it's going to leave you today or tomorrow. Folks, it's found only in Jesus Christ. Do you have that victory today? I hope you do. Uh, I came to faith in Christ when I was 16 years old. Grew up in a non-church background home. Good family. Dad worked for Ford Motor Company, was an executive. We uh, lived overseas for about five years. Uh, Then uh, my high school years were in the Detroit area. And uh, never went to church, but we weren't against it. We just didn't know much about it. Uh, One day, uh, as a 16-year-old, a librarian in my public high school gave me a book to read about the second coming of Jesus Christ, the late great planet Earth. How many are familiar with that? old book, talked about the rapture. I had never even heard of this word before in my life. And now I'm reading about people one day being caught up and meeting Jesus in the air. I'm going, what? What's he, what are you smoking, man? Uh, was kind of my attitude. But it planted a seed, and I wondered about the second coming. Made me wonder about, well, what was the first coming all about? Uh, a few months later, I get invited to a Bible study. Uh, Two buddies of mine from high school. Uh, That night, I go to buy my first Bible ever. I go into a bookstore. I like to buy buy a Bible, please. The lady says, which one? I didn't know what she meant, versions, you know. I said, the one by God. That's the truth. I didn't know. And I didn't even know how to find stuff in the Bible. Like a table of contents, I found John, but I didn't know what the numbers meant. And folks, through that uh, night, that study, getting stuff to read, going home, looking it all up in my brand new Bible for myself, I came to the place of finding victory forever in Jesus Christ. I understood who he was, understood who I was, and what he did for me and for you to die on the cross so that we might be saved from our sins and have the gift of eternal life. And so folks, if you don't have that victory today, the next two points in the message won't mean a lot to you because you have to start there. We had a kid, uh, actually two tragic stories in the minor leagues this year. One with the Detroit team and one with the Tampa team. The Tampa team was a young man named Blake Blevins. Anyone know this story? Uh, Look it up. You ought to Google it. Uh, Blake is a Christian, pitcher, uh, double-A level for the Rays, and married, had a little boy, and uh, lived in Virginia. But, of course, Blake was traveling during the season. And toward the end of the season, uh, Blake's wife's brother who had some uh, mental difficulties, uh, killed Blake's wife, Blake's son, and Blake's mother-in-law, his own mom. Here's a young man pitching, just trying to make it to the big leagues and start his career and gets that news. Uh, And uh, Blake and his family believers, uh, they're in a better place today, but a great tragedy they went through. Here was something that was really interesting, and I think you may be able to find it if you Google it. 
Blake's wife wrote daily devotionals for Baseball Chapel Women's Ministry. So she would write, other wives would write, and they would just be put into a rotation. The morning that she was killed, her devotion was one of the one that popped up. She had written it weeks earlier. And the power of that devotional that was there the day that she went to be with the Lord through very tragic circumstances has a powerful message to it. The other young man that lost his life, a believer in Christ too, was a uh, catcher in the Tigers uh, system at Erie, Chase Numata. Chase is from Hawaii, played for some other organizations his first year with us. I met him in July when I visited in Erie, went out to lunch with him and some other guys, was in chapel with us on Sunday, and toward the end of the year, Chase was out one night uh, on a skateboard, 25, 6, 7 years old, on a skateboard going back to his apartment and going down the streets in Erie, and I think he hit a stone or a crack, but it just stopped the skateboard. He went forward, hit his head, uh, I think it was uh, early Friday morning, late Thursday night, and uh, by Sunday he was with the Lord. But he knows the Lord. He has that victory. And folks, all of us here, and I look out, people different ages, we just don't know when it'll be our time, do we? Have that victory that's found only in Christ. Here's the second lesson I learned in this passage that we're taught, is that victory in Christ is measurable. Do you know you can measure it? It's evident. There's evidences of it. Two of them specifically are mentioned in this passage. One is the love for the believers. Did you see that in verses uh, 1 and 2? That our victory in Christ means that we have a love for other believers. People of different ages, different genders, different races, different ethnic backgrounds. It doesn't matter. If you know Christ and I know Christ, there's a natural love that's right there. Doesn't mean you'll be my best friend necessarily. Can't have everyone be your best friend. But man, we have a bond in Christ that is unique. And uh, that is an evidence of one's faith in Christ. Do you want to be with believers? Do you want to fellowship together? Do you want to be in that Bible study, that church service, that uh, community group, whatever? There's a love that's there for believers. I love chapel. We do chapel. We've got Hispanic guys there, guys that speak uh, from the Dominican, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, Mexico. Uh, They speak Spanish, and their culture is that. Uh, We've got uh, white guys there. We've got black guys there. And you know what? We only have one chapel in the ballpark. So it's not like if you don't like what's going on or you don't like the person you sit, sit next to, you're going down the road to another one. There's no other chapel in the ballpark. There's a love that's there across all those boundaries that so often we put up. And uh, so it's measurable. It's also measurable by uh, commandments. Do we keep the commands that God gives? What did it say in here? His commands aren't burdensome. If we say we love him, we will keep his commands. You can measure that. You can look at your own life, and we should, say, hey, how am I doing with what God says? We can ask someone, hey, Tim, how am I doing? You know me. What's going on in my life? Do you see me keeping God's commands? We can, if someone lets us, speak into someone else's life and say, hey, how are you doing? But we can measure our victory in Christ. It's measurable. It's evident through our love for one another and through keeping his commands. There was a a golfer (coughs) who still plays on the senior tour. His name is Bernhard Langer. And uh, many people recognize Bernhard 
Uh, he's a German background. That's where he grew up in Germany. Very analytical guy. And uh, he, he's been playing golf on the Pro Tour since the 80s. He won the Masters in 1985. That's that big tournament in Augusta, Georgia, held every uh, April. And he won it. He got the green jacket. You saw a picture of it uh, there. And uh, at the time, he's not a follower of Christ. He gets taken to uh, the butler cabin where they do the post-Sunday round interview. Pretty famous setting and scene. And in that cabin, Bernhard is talking about how close the match was that final Sunday. And how he would look up at the scoreboard and the guy chasing him and he was battling with another golfer, Curtis Strange. And in that interview on national TV, Bernhardt said this, and I'm not using it uh, in a a vain way or a negative way, but he took the Lord's name in vain. He said, I looked up at the scoreboard and he said it, Curtis was right there on my tail. And you know, he got tons of mail, people upset. How could you take the Lord's name in vain on TV like that? And it kind of shook him up, like, whoa. Whoa. I didn't realize that was such a sensitive thing. So he began to question, began to look at some things, began to talk to some of his fellow uh, tour players, one in particular, Bobby Clampett, who was a Christian. And Bobby kind of explained some of the things to him, got Bernhard in a Bible study. And within three weeks, Bernhard put his faith in Jesus Christ. That was uh, 1985. In 1993, Bernhard won the Masters a second time. And the Sunday that he won it on was Easter Sunday. Again, after the round is over, into Butler Cabin, sit down, interview on national TV. The first thing you know, he said, hey, today's Easter Sunday, and I just want to take a moment and give glory and praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Different guy that was there eight years earlier, right? Stuff changes if you really have victory in Christ. He jokes, he says, I'm the only guy probably to ever use the name of Jesus Christ twice in the butler cabin. (laughs) Once is a curse and once is a praise. And folks, that's the difference that happens in our lives. Victory in Christ means there's a difference. There's a change. It's evident. People see it. It's measurable. And then here's the last uh, thought I want to share with you. Is that victory in Christ is lasting. It doesn't end. Doesn't mean life is perfect. Uh, we'll go through our ups and downs in our trials as an individual, your family, as a church, as a community, as a nation. We, we will. But you know what? In the back of our minds and in our hearts, as always, I've got victory in Christ. This will be as bad as it ever gets, this life. Because after this life is what? Heaven. It's not going to get any worse. And so we uh, need to know and understand our victory is lasting. I want to show you a video clip, and this is of another golfer. Uh, it, was, um, it was 20 years ago this coming Friday that uh, Payne Stewart got on a private jet in Orlando, Florida. He was traveling to Dallas and then from Dallas to play a golf tournament in Houston. Payne was a flashy golfer. Uh, known for a lot of things, uh, his dress and other things, uh, and he was a successful golfer. Um, And Payne got on that jet. The jet took off uh, with five other people. And it uh, left Orlando Airport, and as it uh, ascended uh, into the the clouds, the cabin apparently lost pressure. Everyone on board died, or at least went unconscious and then died. For four hours, that plane traveled on autopilot, 
reaching heights of 46,000 feet. Uh, CNN and other news outlets covered it like live. How many remember that? And eventually that plane ran out of fuel over South Dakota, crashed, uh, left a huge crater, everything pretty much demolished in minus South Dakota. A few days later in Orlando uh, was Payne Stewart's memorial service. The clip I want to show you is a clip from that service. It begins with an interview that Payne did with a golf reporter uh, in the preceding weeks or months before his death. It begins by talking about a fellow golfer named Paul Azinger who was battling cancer. So let's watch this video clip, please. Learn about your buddy Zinger while he was sick. I, I, it, it put a different perspective on my life. I, I know it definitely put a different perspective on his life. I, it, all of a sudden, you know, golf, golf isn't everything in, in my life. I mean, I have a beautiful family. I have a wonderful wife and two lovely children. And if I don't, if I, on the way home, something would happen and I can't play golf again, hey, I've, I've had a wonderful career but I want to be able to spend the rest of my life with my, my family and, and raise them the best that I can and give them all the love that I can. And that's one thing that Paul taught me that, you know, golf isn't everything. And when, you, when you're all of a sudden you, you have to look at life as, you know, God's going to call us home sometime. And Paul thought he was going to be called home early. And it didn't work out like that, which thank God for that. You know, God decided Paul needed to spend a little more time down here with us because he's got some more better things to do. But, hey, you know, we're, uh, I'm, I'm going to a special place when I die, but I want to make sure that my life's special while I'm here. And when I'm done here, then my time's done. So when they got to the location of that plane crash, of course, there was a huge crater, pretty much everything demolished. But there were a few things that remained intact. Uh, one was uh, Payne Stewart's golf bag and golf clubs that I think his wife still has to this day. And another was that WWJD bracelet. I don't know if you saw him wearing it in some of the shots there. His son Aaron had given it to him uh, because Payne had come to Christ as a professional golfer. And um, in his uh, tournament there where he went at the U.S. Open, you'll see him raise his hand, and he's got that on. And, you know, at the end of his life, he talked about victories. He talked about things that he had seen and done and been successful at. But he said, hey, I want my life to be special while I'm here. But one day when God calls me home, I'm going where? To a special place. Folks, that's the only victory that ultimately matters is the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. It makes life uh, have a different perspective here. But then there's also the promise and the hope of our home in heaven and the victory for eternity there in Christ. So the victory that we have is in Christ. It's through him, it's by him, it's with him. And my hope and prayer is today, uh, you have that victory. Through knowing Christ as your Savior, the only way to heaven, and then living a life that measures and shows that victory, and realizing, hey, however long I'm here, Christ is my victory. Father, we thank you for your word, and thank you for... Uh, Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, and uh, that uh, sin and death are conquered, and uh, you've overcome through him, and that we all can wear a spiritual Nike 
uh, who is Jesus Christ, our overcomer, who allows us to overcome and enjoy that victory. So I pray that there's one here who's never come to that place of faith in Jesus Christ, that um, today might be the day. Uh, right now as I pray, they open their heart up and invite Christ in. They have a question, they come talk to someone. Father, I pray you would put people on each one of our hearts who not just for this week or this month, but really ongoing, who uh, we know don't have that victory that we do have. And through our life, through our words, through a baseball card or something we might give them, uh, we might spark a conversation so that they might understand and hopefully come to enjoy the victory found in Jesus Christ. It's his name, in his name and for his glory we pray. Amen.